theyeshiva.net. For those who were here during the first class, which was last Thursday, at the house of uh, David Geyerman, and it's going to be in your house this Thursday as well, right? Bezir Hashem, this coming Thursday, 9 o'clock. That's going to be class number three. So we began the Mimer of the Rebbe Bossi Lagani Tavshin Chav Beis. That's 1962-5722, which was exactly 60 years ago. Said at the Fabrengen of Yitzvat, 1962, Bossi Lagani. We learned the first, uh, the first two chapters, and we're up to Siv Gimel, which in the Kontresim, in this booklet that you have, it's page Yud Aleph, the second column, you see Siv Gimel. So that's what we're going to continue today, Be'ezir Hashem. I do want to say that uh, the discussion today is, it's a very profound topic, which means some of you may be hearing terms that you're not very accustomed to. It's not what I would call a regular shiur. I give a lot of shiurim, so the shiurim and halacha, the shiurim and gemara, the shiurim and mishnayis, the shiurim and... In Tanakh, in Chumash, in Parsha, in Rambam, in Shulchan Aruch, whatever it may be, in Chsidis, in Tanya, other Maimadim, other Svarim of Machshava. But this is a very, very deep, very deep, it's a very deep and complex sugya in the world of Chabad Chsidis. So, uh, you know, you may hear terms that will <laughs> come across uh, justifiably as very, very mystical extremely abstract, extremely transcendent. But don't be afraid, because uh, this is a real chsidus. <laughs> this is the, the real core, as they say, the real energy. And Be'ezir Hashem, if Hashem graces me with the privilege, I'll try to be a conduit to uh, explain at least somewhat, and elucidate at least somewhat, and apply at least somewhat some of the major ideas here. Also, I'd just like to say this, at any point, if anybody feels they need to leave, you don't have to feel awkward or uncomfortable. I probably won't even notice because I go into my zone. So don't, uh, you know, you don't have to make any self-conscious calculations. If it's respectful, disrespectful, it's completely fine. Uh, as they say in the airlines, you know, you have a lot of options for this Sunday morning. There's Costco, there's... Home Depot, there's Evergreen, there's, there's a lot of things. You can watch my clips in bed with popcorn, whatever it is. So I know that there's uh, many different alternatives, so just feel free to explore it. I don't want to interfere in anybody's schedule. Okay, so we're going to start inside, and uh, I'll take a few breaks to explain some of the concepts. What is he trying to explain? Why did we get into this? The theme of today's shir is three words. Oyer ein seif. That's the theme. <laughs> that really summarizes the title and the subtitle and the concept. Oyer ein seif, which literally means the light of infinity or the light that is infinity. You'll soon see why I'm giving both translations. Why are we discussing that? Why, why, is, that, why is that important? Because the key that we explored last time was that there comes a certain time in war that the king or the person who's in charge of the country, the king, the monarch, the leader, the president, the prime minister squanders everything in order to be victorious. It's called in Hebrew, bizbuz ha'etzers. 
Sometimes a king has treasures that have been amassed for generations and will never be used for anything. They're just priceless. They're too precious to even be displayed for the public, certainly to be just used. But there comes sometimes a moment when everything is on the line. You put everything on the line. We all know there's moments in life when everything is on the line. You have to make those decisions to give up everything or to lose everything. And that's when you give up everything. There are such moments. If you're not faced with such moments, you're probably a pretty lucky person. But usually, <laughs> during a person's life, especially, huh? you know what I'm talking about, yeah? Certain moments where it's, it's, a very, it's, a, it's a key decision. If you don't give everything, you lose everything. Uh, people in, in recovery know this very well. People who have fallen prey to a real addiction know that. If you're not ready to give up everything, you lose everything. So uh, those of you who are lucky to have experienced that, I mean the recovery part, I don't mean the addiction part. <laughs> know exactly what I'm talking about. Those who didn't experience it, okay, you could still play little league baseball. You don't have to play big league. <laughs> so there comes a moment in life that uh, everything, everything is on the line. And the Rebbe says that the Rebbe Rayatz in his last mimer speaks about such moments in history when working, going through the world and turning the world into the place that we are supposed to turn the world into. Our mission, our charge, it's a melchama, it's a war. And for that melchama, you have generals, but then you have the front, the soldiers, the soldiers on the front lines. In the chess game, you know, the pawns that get knocked right, left, and center. And confidence is the key. If you don't know that you have the koiches, and you don't really have the power, then you can't win. So the Jew has to know the treasures, the oitzeres that are given to him or her in the battle we call life. What is that treasure? So he quoted at the end of Siv Beis a statement of Tikkuni Zoyar. Tikkuni Zoyar is, of course, part of the Zoyar, which is the foundational text of Kabbalah. Quote, the light of Ein Soif. Ein Soif means limitless, no end, endless, infinite. Infinity means something that has no Soif. It's infinite, it's not finite, it's not limited. Goes up. To no end, and it goes down to no end. Which is a strange comment, obviously a very mystical comment, because the moment you said it's infinite, obviously it goes up to no end, and it goes down to no end. So it seems like you're repeating the same thing three times. And yet the Zoyar describes Eirein Saif that way. What does this even mean? And this is what Siv Gimel begins to discuss, which is all an introduction which is only, we're only going to come to at the end of the Maimah to understand the oitzer, the treasure, that a person has to know what you have in life in order to be able to live your life in the most meaningful, inspiring, successful, and transformative way. So that comes later. This is all an introduction to explain what that oitzer is. But as always in Chassidus, the introductions become destinations in and of themselves because Nothing is really only an introduction. The journey is the destination, and the destination is a journey, and it's all ultimately part of oneness. So he says, to understand all of this. If anybody doesn't understand anything, feel free to ask. Also, no, uh, you don't have to uh, be self-conscious in my shirim. You can ask whatever you want, and even if you think it's a stupid question, those are usually the best questions. 
The reason you think it's stupid is because when you asked it when you were four years old, somebody told you it's stupid because they didn't have an answer. So you're still living with the idea that you ask stupid questions. But really, those are the good questions. So feel free to uh, ask whatever you want. I also have the luxury. I don't mind saying I don't know. So I'm never afraid of questions because if I don't know, I say I don't know. I don't need to give answers. The term Eirein Saif, which is a very common term in Kabbalah and in Chassidus, has two ways of explaining it, two Pirush. Pirush Aleph Eir Shel Ein Saif, or Pirush HaBez Shel Ein Saif. One way of translating Eirein Saif is, it's the light of infinity. It's the light of the Ein Saif. Another way of explaining it is, the Eir is Ein Saif. You understand the difference? Eir Ein Saif, you could say, it's the Eir of the Ein Saif, the light that extends from the infinite, or no, Eir ain't Saif, the Eir is infinite, the Eir is ain't Saif. I say, what's the difference? It's the Eir from ain't Saif, or the Eir is ain't Saif. But this is two ways of completely understanding what Eir is. So either the Eir comes from the ain't Saif, right? You'll say the light that comes from the sun. The light is not the sun, the light comes from the sun. That's Eir ain't Saif in the first way. The light extends, it comes from the ain't Saif. It's a radiance, right? It's a reflection that mirrors the Ein Saif, or the Eir is Ein Saif. Of the Rebbe Rayatzi says, When we're talking about Ein Saif, it means the Eir is Ein Saif. Because the truth is, because the truth is, you're not going to say the Eir comes from the Ein Saif, because the term Ein Saif, applies to the Eir, precisely to the Eir. Only the Eir you're going to call Ein Saif. You're not going to say it's the Eir from the Ein Saif. Parentheses, On a higher level, it's also known as a name, because in some details, the concept of name and the concept of light is one concept, one theme. The Alter Rebbe in Lekut HaTorah Parshish Pekudei brings Mashehiksha, Harabenu Harav Menachem Azariah. One of the great Kabbalists in the Jewish world is the person quoted, mentioned here, who's known as Rameh, Rabbeinu Menachem Azariah. He's known as Rameh Mifanu, Fanu, or Panu. It's a city in Italy. He was one of the great Italian Mekobalim. And he passed away in the year 1620, in the month of Av. In the Hebrew calendar, that would be Hey Allah from Shinpei, 1620. So just for historical context, that's around 60 years before the Baal Shem Tov was born. It's, uh, it's uh, 12 years after the Chmolenetsky pogrom. Uh, it's, it's, I'm sorry, it's, uh, it's 20 years, 28 years before the Chmolenetsky pogroms, the Cossack pogroms, which were 1648, 1649. He passed away 1620. He lived in Italy. He's known as the Ramemi Fano. He's considered one of the greatest Kabbalists. He received his Kabbalah from his Rebbe, Rabbi Nazaria, but also he was known as to receive most of his influence from the Ramak. Ramak is Rabbi Moshe Cordovero. I'm mentioning particularly him. You'll see in a moment why. He's known as the Ramak. The Ramak was one of the greatest Kabbalists in Svas. If you go to the cemetery, the old cemetery, we have the blue tombstones near the Arizal. 
you'll see the Ramak. The Arizal was also a student of the Ramak. The Ramak passed away in 1570, of Gimel Tamas. That's Shin Lamed, 1570. The Arizal passed away two years later, 1572. The Arizal taught Kabbalah for two years after the Ramak passed away. The Arizal taught Kabbalah for two years, and then he passed away. The Arizal was very young. He was 36 or 38. Ramak was already an older person when he passed away. So the Arizal was a student, but then he became a teacher right after the Ramak passed away, and he lived another two years. Hey, of Shin Lamed Beis. Ramemi Fanu was a disciple of the Kabbalah of Rabbi Moshe Cordovero, but he lived in Italy. So it arrived to Italy, and he taught, he had a huge yeshiva, a tremendous influence. He was a gon, he was a Talmud Chacham, and he wrote many, many svarim in Halacha, and he wrote many, many svarim in Kabbalah. He wrote around 20 or 30 svarim. And he's known as the Ramemi Panu, Ramemi Fanu, Rabbeinu Menachem Azariah Fanu. He has a sefer called Pelach Ariman, huh? No, he was born in Italy, and he was raised in Italy, and he lived in Italy, and he died in Italy. So he received the writings from the Ramak. He received the writings from the Ramak, and he became a disciple because of his teachings and his writings. Yeah. He wrote a, the Ramak wrote a sefer called Pardus Rimoina, the pomegranate, the, the, the orchard of pomegranates. The Ramemi Fano wrote a commentary on it called Pelach Harimain, the shell of the pomegranate. <laughs> right? He had a part of it, so he wrote Pelach, that's what the Sefer. He also had a Sefer called Yoyna Sila. Over there he raises a, 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 an observation, that's what the Rebbe is quoting here from him. And that is, the Rambam articulated 13 principles of faith. One of them is that Hashem is a Kadmain, meaning the belief, one of the 13 Animamans that some say every day, is that Hashem is Kadmain, meaning... Hashem is the primal existence that precedes all of existence. Rabbi, Rabbi Yosef Albo was a great Jewish philosopher in Spain, and he argued with the Rambam's 13 principles. He said that these are not the 13 principles of faith. The Rambam made his own principles. They're all true, but they're not the principles of Jewish faith. And he put Amunah into three principles, Rabbi Yosef Albo. From 13, he made them three. And one of his arguments, he attacks most of them, and one of them is the Rambam is saying that you have to believe Hashem is a Kadmon, you should also believe, you should also have one, that Hashem is eternal. If he's before everything, you should raise you after everything. So the Rabbi Mifanu counterattacks. Counter and he says, no, he's wrong. Why? This is the words that he says. Kol kadmai nitzchi, v'loi kol nitzchi kadmai. The moment I say that you're a kadmai, you're before everything, nobody created you, it means you're eternal. Because <laughs> if nobody created you, nobody can uncreate you. You could be eternal, but it doesn't mean you don't have a creator. Because if the creator wants you to be eternal, you can be eternal. So call kadmai nitzchi. V'loi kol nitzchi kadmai. That's the Ramez phrase. You hear? If you're a kadmai, you're a nitzchi. If you don't have a creator, so how exactly are you going to disappear? Who's going to decide? Your shviger, your mother, who's going to decide that you shouldn't exist anymore? You don't have a cause. You're there essentially. So you're going to be eternal. Just like, yeah, there's always that question, right? Your six-year-old says, who made Hashem? Right, who made Hashem? It's one of those stupid questions that are very good questions, right? Because you have to understand how to answer such a thing. But that's the concept of Kadmai. There is something that needs no creator. That's Kadmai. So if it needs no creator, it's going to be eternal. So the Rambam doesn't need to make a special principle that Hashem is eternal. You could be eternal, and it doesn't mean you had no creator. The creator may want you to be eternal. That's fine. So call Kadmai Nitzchi Kadmai. So the Ramah asks the question, why do we call Hashem Ein Soif? Ein Soif doesn't really capture it. We should call him Ein Loit <laughs> Don't say he has no end. That's not such a big deal. 
There may be angels that have no end. Yeah? If God wants the world to be eternal, it'll be eternal. Yeah? They say there was a Jew once, uh, he was at a lecture of a great physicist. And the physicist... Uh, the physicist uh, got up and he said how it's very obvious, it's extremely obvious that, uh, that in four billion years, in four billion years, the whole universe is going to cease to exist because of the expanding rate and so forth. And there was a Jew in the crowd, he started to have, he started to have uh, heart palpitations. You know, he has to prepare for the Leviathan and for the world coming to an end and, you know, Swiss bank accounts. I mean, there's a lot going on, real estate and Pavona, v'chuli, v'chuli. So uh, he's, he's, you know, he wants to call out Salas. And the professor says, relax, what are you so anxious about? He says, the, the, the world is coming to an end. He says, it's four billion years, four billion. Oh, he says, Baruch Hashem, I thought you said million. <laughs> so, you know, people have vision. <laughs> They're worried about four million years, four billion years. So, uh, so the rabbi asks a question, why do we call Hashem Ein Saif? You should call him Ein Loitchila. Ein Saif means he has no end. That's not the end of the world, pun intended. Okay, it's too early? Fine. <laughs> Ein Saif? There could be other things that are Ein Saif. Maybe he wants the sun to be, be eternal. The real name should be Ein Loitchila. Ein Loitchila. In Kabbalah, he's always called Ein Saif. So the Ramet, this is the Ramet's question. That why is he called Ein Saif? He should be called Ein Leitchila. Because you could have Ein Saif. You could be Ein Saif. And that's what he says. This third line from the Bible. There could be various creations or Sichlim Nevdalim, which are angels, that if Hashem wants, they will never cease to exist. They'll be eternal. But they have a beginning. They were brought into existence from nothing to something. So you could say, Ein Saif. You can't say, Ein Lam Tchila. Hashem is much a bigger Chiddush. Say, Ein Lam Tchila. So the Ramah answers, the Mashon Ukairin, Ein Saif. Ein It Saino, Loyma Latayim, Usivats Musius, Alech Asvitralam. El Raklopchinus Shmoyus Baruch, Shopchinus Urviziv, Shain Lay Saif. Says the Rameh, when we say Eir Ein Saif, we don't mean the light of the Ein Saif, because we wouldn't call Hashem Ein Saif. What do we call Ein Saif? What we're calling Ein Saif is not to describe Hashem. You have a much better word, Ein Leitchila. What we're calling Ein Saif is what he calls Shmoy, his name, or he calls it there his light, his radiance, his reflection. That's Ein Leitchila. Since in this context the Zoyer says the Oyer ain't safe is above without limit and below without limit. In other words, it has no limitations whatsoever. So when you're saying this on the Oyer, it means Oyer ain't safe, that the Oyer itself is ain't safe. So it's not that the Oyer is a reflection of the ain't safe. As the Lukut Torah brings from the Ramah, when you speak about Hashem himself, the word ain't safe is not really the most appropriate thing. The word should have been ain't leitchila. Rather, we're talking about the Oyer. If you're talking about the Oyer, the Oyer has a tchila, because the Oyer is a reflection. The Oyer is a light. The Oyer is the name. That's why we say the Oyer itself is ain't safe. That's why he touches the Oyer itself, not the Oyer of the ain't safe, but the Oyer, the Oyer that's ain't safe. What does all of this mean? What do we, what do we mean when we say the atzimus, the essence? What do we mean when we say oir? Why is it important to say that the oir itself is ain't safe? What does it mean? 
So the Maimer explains the reason that the Oed itself is ain't Soif is because Oed, light, is Me'ein. It's similar, it means it reflects, it mirrors the Ma'er. The Ma'er is the source of the light. The explanation is Kimavur, as explained elsewhere, the truth is that to describe Oyer as Ein Soif is a contradiction. Oyer, as its name indicates, is it's a light. It's a reflection. It's a ha'ara. Ha'ara means like a ray, a glimmer. So how could you say that it itself is Ein Soif? It has no limits whatsoever. When you're calling it Oyer, which means it's a reflection. The answer is, the reason we say the Oyd itself is Ein Soif is not because of the Oyd itself. It's because the Oyd is a reflection. It comes from the source and it reflects the source. From any source of light, there could be two types of energy flows. You could give an energy that's called light and an energy that's called shefa. Two different ideas. Shefa means you're actually giving something tangible. You're transmitting something tangible. In Eoiv, twice, there's a, the expression, Shifas Mayim Dechaseka. A flood of water will cover you. So Mayim is something substantial. If I pour water from a pitcher into a cup, I gave you something substantial. Water that flows from one place to another place, there's something tangible that goes away from the first place and goes to the second place. That's the example of Shefa. As water flows from the well, from the spring, into a river, into a canal, into a pond, into a stream, to a pool, whatever it is, into a mikveh, it, it's a substance of water. And that water is not there in the original place anymore. If I give you a check, the thousand dollars that you deposit into your account leaves my account, it goes into your account. Light is not that. Light, when you emanate light, you're not giving something of substance, of substantial. It's the shine, it's the ray. And that's why the source is not affected. The source is not missing. It's not the check of $1,000 or the water that I gave you that's not some zero total gain that's now missing from me. You light one candle from another candle, the first candle is not missing any light. The light doesn't affect the source, and if you want to block the light, if you put down your Venetian blinds and you block the light, again, it doesn't affect the source. But this becomes the advantage of Ur that's not in Shefa. Through the Ur, you can have a connection to the source of the Ur. Unlike Shefa, where there's a detachment, as we'll see. Explained in previous through air, you could recognize the nature of the source. If it's the candle, if it's the moon, if it's the sun, by studying light, you understand the source from where that light comes. 
First, just the, the, the difference of oil and shafa. What's the difference of oil and shafa? You know, we have a term, some of you have heard the term, it's called a mashpia. <laughs> what does a mashpia mean? Anybody knows? <laughs> What's a real mashpia? Now you understand it from here. There's two ways in which you could communicate. One is light, one is shefa. And it's a, very, it's, a, it's a very beautiful way of describing two modes of communication. And each one has a tremendous advantage that the other one doesn't have. The advantage of Oiris, it's natural and authentic. It almost happens on its own. The disadvantage is the recipient gets access to everything but gets access to nothing. The advantage of Shefa is, the disadvantage of Shefa is, it's a very limited and condensed form of communication. The advantage is that it's very real and tangible and the recipient receives something that he goes away with. Yeah, I'll give an example. Two, two types of shiurim. <laughs> There's two types of shiurim. There's two types of class. Person sits down. Yeah. Some, some, some of you spent many years in yeshiva. You'll right away relate to this. Person sits down and you could see he's brilliant. He's expressing himself. He's expressing his ideas and he understands and he knows. It's, at least it seems that to you. And he's expressing himself. He's reflecting himself. No question. But what did you go away with? Sometimes you go away with nothing. Go straight over your head. Even if you understood here and there something, but there's nothing, nothing really that's... That's not a mashpia. Mashpia doesn't mean somebody who shares their information with you. A mashpia means... Somebody who actually takes part of the water away from themselves and they lose it. It goes to you. Mashpi is somebody who's tailor-made. Tailor, tailor, the message is tailor-made to the unique personality and individuality of the person receiving it. That takes tremendous amount of commitment because I have to go out of my own way of thinking, tune into your way of thinking, and condense and tailor the message. It should be custom-made, a custom-made suit for your size, for your physique, for your brains, for your sensitivity. And every person is different. Every mushpa is different. That's the definition of shefa. Shefa is a targeted, targeted communication, right? You know, in sales, those of you who are in sales, you understand the value of this, right? Some people, let's just, right? When you go into the world of, I know some of you are in sales, so you know this world. Let's just promote, promote. The ganze Welt soll wissen. Everybody knows everything and everybody knows nothing. And then there is, you choose, you know, you want your 10 people, your 100 people, your 500 people, your 1,000 people, but you want to get them as I in the kishkis, they should remember you, it's a different, it's a, and there's a myelin, this is a myelin, this. Same is true in all type of communication. There is expressing, expressing everything undiluted the way it is. <laughs> this is who it is. And you say, wow, but shefa is, shefa is, it's something very specific, and it goes away from the mashpia. It goes in to the mushpa. Because when the mashpia is teaching it, it takes sabbat. He has to go out of his own world and go into your world. And even when he's gone, it stays with you. When the sun sets, there's no light left. As he's going to say later. The sun sets, there's no light. <laughs> but why? Because light is an extension of the sun. The sun is gone, there's no light anymore. Shefa stays with you forever, even if the mashpia is gone. Because he didn't reflect himself. That's not what he did. He gave something substantial that now becomes part of you. That's a whole different type of communication. There's two types of teachers. There are teachers 
that when people are sitting there, they enjoy it. Why? They like watching him express himself. You go home, your wife says, what did you learn this year? I don't know, it was very interesting. What? He spoke for two hours, it was murder dick. Episode, whatever. What? Why? There was no sheffer there. There was no sheffer. I hope, the, I don't know what this year is going to be like. We'll see at the end what, uh, I'll ask your wife tomorrow what happened when you came home. <coughs> uh, right, so what, what's the idea? The idea is you watch somebody reflect themselves. Beautiful, it's amazing. But it, it, it didn't become part of you. And it couldn't become part of you. It was too intense. It was too overwhelming. You get everything, but you got nothing. Because you got nothing. <laughs> because it was everything. It wasn't tailor-made to me. Chef is very, very different. Chef is a muhuz dover. And for this, I have to, the mashpi has to go away. And it's true in ashir. It's true in, 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 in emotional counseling. It's true in communication. It's true in education. Right? Uh, that's what the purpose of a mashal is. The purpose of a mashal is you bring it down to the world of the recipient. And sometimes you need another mashal. Another that says that Shlaim HaMelech had for everything 3,000 mashalim in order to bring it down. Yeah. And when the mashpia is doing the shefa, he can't be doing something else. He can't be texting. In Ori, right? The sun is shining and the light goes. With shefa, it doesn't work that way. It consumes you. It consumes you. Because you're stepping out of your natural, natural zone. That's Shefa. The Chisarun and Shefa? Oh, that's the focus. The Chisarun and Shefa is that uh, you're getting a very condensed form of energy that's, that's suitable for your identity. I could never tell you what I really think in Shefa, right? Somebody comes to me for advice. I always ask them, do you want to hear the truth? Or do you want me to tell you what you want me to tell you? So of course every Jew says, of course I want the truth. <laughs> then you tell them the truth, they don't speak to you for a few months. You know what I mean? They cut you off. Who wants to hear the truth? You know too many people who want to hear the truth? Or says the truth. <laughs> or it is, I, 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 there's not going to be a joke in the beginning. There's not going to be a story in the middle. It's not gonna be, there's not going to be any entertainment. There's not going to be, it's not, you understand? Shefa is all about... Tuning into where the person is sometimes, 99%, you can't say. There's a few therapists sitting here in the room. If you tell your client everything you think about them, in the second or third session, what do you think is going to happen? Huh? You're a therapist, huh? You lose them, Lailam Vod, yeah? There's a therapist I know, he comes to a lot of shurim. So he told me he, he's dealing with a narcissist, somebody who has narcissistic personality disorder. I don't know if those of you who know about it, but... Uh, it's a serious situation. Somebody who's a real narcissist, you know, it's, it's, it's a serious thing. So I told him, how are you dealing with it? He says, my taiva is to punch him in the nose and to break his teeth. That's my taiva. But I know that if I don't love him, I'm not going to be able to affect him. So for nine months, the only thing I can do is listen to him and show him that I understand him. And after nine months, I'll be able to plant a seed. Maybe there's another way of looking at it. You understand? That takes a lot. <laughs> But he's so right. He's so brilliant. If he says the first session what the truth is, you're done. You lost the person. This is nine months of income. <laughs> <laughs> Problem is you're in real estate. <laughs> it's MS. But it's a tailored MS. Mitzumtzum. Constricted, restricted, filtered. It's filtered. Filtered water is MS. <laughs> It's not shaken. 
But it's the way that it's going to be suitable for the Makabal. And it's a very different art. It's a completely different creature. It's a completely different creature. I give a lot of shiurim. The hardest thing before shiur is not the giving the shiur. It's to take something from ur to shefa. For this you have to know who you're talking to. You have to know exactly what they could understand, what they can't understand. You have to know how to build them. You have to know how to go to their spots. This is, this is not simple things. All communication is about shefa. Real communication. Real communication. Real communication is shefa, not ur. Why? Ur is self-expression. It's amazing if you want to see the source. But if you want to create the makabal, if you want to create a real student who's not just a student but becomes a teacher, then you have to mold them according to their kalim. That's the mile of Shefa. The chesorin of Shefa is, it's always condensed. It's never the original. You can't do the original. You got to dilute. And if the original is infinite, you know how much you have to dilute? Everything. <laughs> You have to dilute it infinitely. Very good. You know what it is to dilute something infinitely? I once heard from the B'yayel Khan of Ashallah that uh, there was a mimer, Yud Beis Tamos, Tovshin Yud Gimel. They never said a mimer by the Fabrengel, Laman Das. Laman Das, Klamas Hashem Olekim And he didn't understand. So he wrote a letter with his questions, which he often did after the, after the Fabrengels. So the Rebbe told Rabbi Chadikov, that he doesn't understand, uh, he doesn't understand the questions. <laughs> he doesn't understand what he doesn't understand. So then the Rebbe thought to himself, he says, you know what? Then the Rebbe allowed them to tape the Fabrengans. He didn't allow to tape the Fabrengans initially, just to use for writing, but then to get rid of it. He didn't want the Fabrengans to go out on tape. So uh, he said, since they made a tape, he'll listen to it. So the Biel went into the room and he got a techni- technician guy. Then they had the, the, the you remember those, uh, those wheels? Zechreinim Levracha? Ah, you remember those? Huh? You don't know what I'm talking about. You don't even know what a tape recorder is. Baruch Hashem, you might Mashiach. I mean, they had those big wheels, you know, they looked like Oig Melech So uh, they took it in. And he said, the Rebbe listened to the Maimer. He learned how you have to listen to a Maimer. He said, from how the Rebbe was listening to his own Maimer. And he finished, he says, so he said, he said in Yiddish, he said, uh, uh, which means I did not condense the flow into the letters, into the words. The words did not become proper containers to condense the flow. So the words were conveying more, it's like you put too much liquid in the cup, it overflows the, the words were not conveying. He says, there was a very intense flow, so the oisius didn't capture it. So he understood the question. And the Rebbe said, I'm going to start saying my modem differently. So the Biyo said, for a few months, it lasted. <laughs> and then it went back. <laughs> for a few months, it lasted. You understand? So Shefa is not simple. You want to, Shefa is, is about respecting the other. And where they are, it's not where you are, it's where they are, and tuning into that world. And for that, you sometimes have to eclipse 99% of the message. And it's not easy. Because a part of you says, I want to say everything. If you want to say everything, that's fine, but you're going to lose the person. And even if you don't lose the person, you're not going to build the person. So a different avoid. That's why teaching is always called shefa. A mashpia is called a mashpia. Definition of mashpia is not to tell you what he thinks. Definition of mashpia is to what? To help you answer your own questions 
by understanding where you are, and I'm just here to crystallize for you what you need to know. It's a different level. Yeah, you can ask. How is that a tesorum? It's two. It's a disparity between two different realms, two different. Things. You know what the problem is? I'm explaining Shefa so nicely that you're starting to like it too much, because the focus of this mime is oy, not Shefa. <laughs> I'm, I'm discussing Shefa with too much Shefa. I should discuss Shefa with a little more, more oil so you won't get so infatuated by it. But the Makriya loses something? Of course. Of course he loses something. Energy. Time, energy, mental space. It's Mr. Nefesh. It's going, stepping out of your own world. Huh? Yeah, yeah. But while he's in a state of Ashpa and when he prepares for it, he has to step out of his own world. Yeah, yeah, but it's also, if it's emotional, if it's emotional, it's an investment, it's an investment of energy, it's a relationship. He's not a, he's not a tape recorder. A tape recorder is, <laughs> you press play, boom, here it is, right? Shefa, you're not a tape recorder. You're invested, your heart is invested, your brain is invested, you have to go through a tzimtzum, you understand? So even when you go back to your regular place, you're never the same anymore. Because there's a relationship, there's a connection. We're not talking here about some abstract, detached, lifeless, uh, you know, professor, absent-minded robot. Ask. Said it from all. You can't take away anything. You can't take it away because, like, night is not work. You can't reach a level to take up to become the other alone. Oh, oh. So now, now, now let's go to Oy. <laughs> we did Shefa. Now let's see how it works with Oy. What is Oy? In a way, Shefa, it's easy to understand because Shefa is all about uh, packaging. Shefa is about packaging. And we like packaging, right? Anybody here in the commercial industry, everything is packaging, right? It's not what it is, it's what people think it is. MS? Huh? Right? It's what people think it is. That's what marketing is. So it's all about, now that's already, that could be also, you know, distortions and lies and manipulation and exploitation. That's already... You know, chef of the way comes into clipper. But the concept is, you package it nicely. Ur, there's no packaging. So what is Ur then? What is Ur? And why is this, why is this so negaya? You see, time, the time of a shiit is an issue in Shefa, not in Ur. <laughs> in Shefa, it's all timing, right? You can have the best message in the world. You went five minutes too long. You're done. ADD kicked in. You're finished. Yeah. In Ur, those Cheshbainas are not Negeas. I don't know which mode I'm supposed to be in now. Mode of Ur, the mode of Shefa. Rabbi Levitov. The Balabas. <laughs> okay. It's like the person who says, you want to hear the truth? He says, yeah, I want to hear the truth. Okay. <laughs> there was a big problem in Kabbalah. <laughs> there was a big problem in Kabbalah. And it's a huge Machlaikas. Now for us, these Machlaikas, I have to say, seem a little strange. Because like, what are they arguing about? Aren't there more important things to argue about? But for the Mechabalim, this was the most important argument. There were not, not more important things to argue. That Amem Ifano, as I told you, was a student in terms of, of teachings, of a disciple of, of Ramesha Cordovero. There was a big question in Kabbalah, when you say Ein Saif, who are you talking about? Ramesha Cordovero, the Ramak said, Ein Saif, you're talking about Hashem. We don't call anybody else Ein Saif. Hashem is the Ein Saif, the creator of everything. He's the real Ein Saif. 
The Rabbi Panu, even though he was a student of Amak, he argued and argued very forcefully. No, 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 no way. Hashem, you don't call Ein Saif. Hashem is Ein Leitchila. Ein Saif, we call what he says, Keser, Rotzen, Shmoy. Here he calls it Oy. That's Ein Saif. You don't call Ein Saif, yeah? It's not talking about Hashem himself. Not talking about Hashem himself. And that's where creation comes from. Creation comes from the Ein Saif, which is Hashem's Rotzen, Hashem's name. That's the Ramem Mipanu. Very big, big argument. They also argue about Keser. It's a similar argument. If Keser is part of the Esespheris, is part of the Spheris, or Keser is called Ein Saif, again, another huge argument. Ramemi Panu, you never call Keser Ein Saif. Ein Saif is only Hashem. The Ramak, I'm sorry. Ramemi Panu is, no, Keser is Ein Saif. It's instant, you realize, yeah. Those of you who ever learned Hemshech Tafir Samach Vav, the Hemshech of the Rebbe Rashab of 1906, or Shoshana, the Maimir of and the Maimorim before, Maimorim before that, the Maimorim after that are all about this issue, which is the foundation of this Maimorim as well, part of it. Now, why do they have these arguments? So there's a lot of, lot of reasons. On the Hashem Le'Shem, you see a lot of reasons. But I want to discuss one core issue. One core issue. <laughs> it's so abstract, it's hard to find Isis. The big question, the big quest, the big question is: when we go back to the essence of everything, we call it Atzmos Hashem Himself. We have no way of describing it. We know the world has a creator. That you could prove philosophically, logically. When you look at the design of the world, the intricacies of the universe. A teenager came to me the other day. He's an atheist. So I told him that uh, I don't have so much amuna to be able to be an atheist. <laughs> Today, to be an atheist, you have to have a lot of faith. <laughs> you have to, I don't have so much blind faith to be able to believe that there's no God. You have to have so much amuna in randomness that it's beyond seichel of how many, just with the body, how many decisions a body has to make a moment to be able to function. Just one cell. You have to have a lot of faith to be able to be an atheist. I'll be seichel. There's obviously a creator. So what does that tell us about the creator? Nothing. It tells us there's a creator. If you go deeper and deeper and you want to go into the core, and the creator couldn't have a creator, because if the creator has a creator, you have the same problem, right? Who created the creator and who created the creator? So the creator is something that transcends matter, transcends space, transcends time, transcends the need of being created. So it's, it's, it's the reality behind reality. It's the reality beyond reality. It's the essence of everything that's transcendent. What's the relationship of that source to the world itself? So you'll say, he created the world. I can't say he created the world. Can there ever be unity? Most said there can't really be unity. Listen, Hashem can do whatever he wants. He could kill Yochel. He could make unity if he wants. But in terms of a unity that's integrated, a unity in which I can experience the unity. It's not just unity because Hashem can do everything. It could be like a real relationship that's intimate. It would seem bizarre. An intimate relationship between what? The reason that people can have an intimate relationship is because you have needs. I have needs, you're vulnerable, I'm vulnerable, I'm mortal, you're mortal. So we, we need each other, we feed off each other, right? We cherish each other. But something that's, that's, you can't even say about an infinite, it's like completely beyond, like what am I supposed to do with it? They call them the unmoved, the unmoved mover, right? The unmoved. So imagine you tell your wife today, I, I became unmoved. You can't move me, right? That's the end, finally, you know. Okay, you can't move me. Imagine you, you tell your wife that uh, before you got married, you told her, I'm very good to marry because uh, I have no needs. 
and, and you can't affect me because <laughs> I have no emotions. So you can do whatever you want and I'm fine, I'm perfect, I'm perfect. So it's amazing because you'll get everything and you don't have to give me anything. What is she going to tell you? Go find another perfect guy, another perfect woman, right? I can't connect to you. How do we connect? We connect because of our vulnerability. We connect because, because there are needs. Hashem, we, perfect, fine. So there's no relationship, which is what many Jewish philosophers believed. There's no relationship. There can't be. They even said that it's kfirah to say there's a relationship. What, he's needy suddenly? <laughs> right? Which is a good, a good shayla. A good shayla. So this is really the struggle in Kabbalah. There's two different streams, yeah? There's two different streams. The Ramemi Panu says, Taka, that the Ein Soif refers to the Ratzin of Hashem, to the shame of Hashem. Hashem himself, it's, it's complete. He says, don't even talk about it. He says, don't even talk about it. So the Ein Soif could be with Ratzin. That's what he calls the Ein Soif. Ein Loit Chile, he says, it's something else. We don't even talk about it. Others, the Ramak says, Ein Soif is Hashem himself. Ein Soif is Hashem himself. So now, now comes the issue. So either Hashem is lowered down or Hashem is, is elevated up. Either he becomes completely, so to speak, detached. Or we say, no, no, he's not detached. He's lowered down so there could be a relationship. But then what is this Hashem? <laughs> You're lowering down just so you should feel good? <laughs> just because I want to feel good, I want to have a relationship. So I turn God into something that's, that's semi-human. How does this translate in very real life? This is some of the biggest questions. And that is, does a relationship with Hashem mean that you ultimately deny the self? Or a relationship with Hashem means that you fully integrate Hashem with the self? Now this question exists on millions of different levels. But in the most tangible and concrete level, the real question is, is the purpose, the ultimate purpose of life to reach truth, and that is transcendence? You go away as far as possible from the self? Or can there be ultimate fusion, ultimate unity within the human experience? And that's, you can run to this side, you can run to this side, but it's very, very subtle because there are those who turn God into a very mushy, lovey, dovey, almost liberal entity. (laughs) What's missing? What's missing is you pull down the truth so that I should feel comfortable, right? And then there are those who say, ask not what God can do for you, ask what you can do for God. God. Very good. Who said that first? Not Kennedy. (laughs) Kennedy said, ask what you can do for your country. Now we're going to do that. Rebbe told the chassid, ask not what you need, ask what you're needed for. Who leaked that to Kennedy? But... Whatever it is, we'll have to figure that out. On the boat. Huh? On the boat. On the boat. Saul <laughs> <Michelle> Jacobson. <laughs> Part of the legends. Okay. So, it's like, it's not about you. It's about him. It's completely not about you. Yeah. It goes down even to a simple question, like, what do you do with your talents? What do you do with resources? There are those shittists in Yiddish guy that say, talents? Forget about it. Just dedicate yourself completely to heaven. Right? And others say, no. You got to work with the people. You got to work with yourself. It translates itself. What's the role of individuality in Judaism? (laughs) What's the role of individuality? How much do we cherish people as individuals? 
or you're just part of the bigger picture, you know? We hatch them, we match them, we dispatch them, and we want a new generation. Next. Next. People call it bittel. People call it bittel. Whether it's right or wrong, is, is, we'll get to that. But that's the question. Yeah, does God believe in Metzius? Or is the whole Metzius one big fiasco, you know? It's a little joke that we have in which we're dreaming. It's like a puppet show. You take the puppet show seriously. And the Tachlis is ultimately just do what you have to do and get back to the source. And what does that mean even in life? And where does that leave people? This, is, this, this question translates itself in, in, in millions of ways, including how you educate children, how you educate yourself, what Yiddishkeit is, what the world is. The Alter Rebbe is the one who introduced here a revolutionary idea. The idea is introduced with one word, Eir. Eir. The Rebbe Rashab writes in Hemshech Tafri Samachvav in Vayoylech, now, it doesn't mean he invented the word oir. Oir is the beginning of Bereshus. The first thing Hashem cares It doesn't even mean that he started to use it in Kabbalah because the oir in Saif is in Kabbalah very often. It means that he explained oir in a certain way. Well, I shouldn't say explained. He revealed what oir is to be able to highlight how ultimately all the shittas of Kabbalah come together. And he did it through using the word oh, light. What is light? Why did he use the word light? It's interesting. In his day, they didn't know a lot about light. There were even those who thought, the Greeks thought, that light is like a flashlight that comes out of your eyes. Because <laughs> they would look at animals. You ever saw middle of the night, those animals, their eyes, right? So they thought that the animals are like arrows. Light is arrows that come out of your eyes. And they hit you, and they bring me back the information. That's what the Greeks thought about light. Walter Rebbe explains, today we still don't know what light is. Light, I should tell you, in physics is one of the most mysterious entities there is. Now in physics, everything is mysterious. Because once you hit real physics, the world is, is insanely brilliant and paradoxical. But within the mystery itself, light takes the cake. Today, if you, if you read up on light or you watch, uh, you can watch videos, light for dummies or whatever it is, whatever, any level that you're shy to it, you'll see that light is filled with paradox. For example, light, they'll tell you, is a particle and it's also a wave. The problem is they, particles and waves operate in paradoxical ways. So which one is it? And the answer is it's both simultaneously. But then when you observe it, it collapses into one. In other words, it won't be what it really is because you're looking at it. And they saw with experiments that light acts literally in paradoxical ways. It acts as a particle simultaneously. It acts in a way that's exact opposite because particles are like individual pebbles and waves are like, you know, waves in an ocean. They work in a unit, like the waves. And there's many other paradoxes in light that we understand today. I'm talking about physical light now, physical light. This is the marshal that Al-Tarebbe employed to say that light ultimately is our way of having some sensitivity to Eirin Saif, even though you can't compare the two Eirs, but ultimately there's a connection, that's why it's called light. All the Chidushim of Einstein in physics, it all began with understanding light. Much of quantum physics is focused on light. But what is the basic definition of light? We take it for granted. We take for granted that we're sitting here in a room, and the sun is shining, and we could see. But don't take these things for granted. We could have lived in a world where there was no light. 
And that means you would see nothing, not yourself and not anybody else. So light is that unique reality that allows us to see the universe. We make a bracha every day. Baruch atah Hashem, Yoitzer HaMa'eris, HaMeir La'aretz, V'Ladarim Alad. The first bracha of Krishna is all about light. Right? Because it's, 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 it's incredible what light is. We take it, how does it happen? How does it happen? There's a sun shining, and somehow there are rays of light that allows us to see the world. Or we have today light bulbs, or you have a candle, or you have the moon, or anything. The truth is, everything is a source of light. So the definition of light today, they call it the electromagnetic field. Electromagnetic field. Every object emits light. Every object. But most of the universe is invisible. Why? Not because it doesn't emit light. But because we don't have the kalim, our retina, our eyes, don't have the sensors that can pick up that light. Because what is really light? Light is a reflection of the object itself. In fact, when you can measure light, you could know a lot about the source. That's how we know a lot of astronomical galaxies and stars that we don't have access to, but we have access to the light. And when you measure the frequency of light, you measure the wavelength of light, you measure the speed of light, you know what it is that's emitting the light. The problem is most of the universe is invisible to us. Why? Because if it's too much energy or too little energy, it doesn't get detected by our eyes. It doesn't exist. <laughs> Animals could see colors that we don't see. But there's really no such a thing as colors. You know, we say red, green, blue. You know, red, green, blue, what is it? It's basically certain frequencies <laughs> of what they call the wavelength of light that comes out electromagnetic energy comes out, that our eyes capture, our brain interprets a certain way, and we call it red. If it would be a different frequency, yeah, my eye wouldn't register it, <laughs> or would get overwhelmed, but it doesn't exist. So what we see of the universe is a very limited reflection. We still see so much, but most of it we don't see. We make, we build telescopes. What are they? These are new ways of detecting realities that our eyes simply are not kalim for. So what is Eir? Eir is the unique phenomenon that it allows us to perceive the mire. It allows us to perceive that which is emitting the light. Now the question is how Hashem made that every object, it's, it's called photons, photons are shot out. And it allows the object to be perceived. Now, you still need the kalim for it. If you don't have the kalim, you're not going to perceive it. But that's the definition of oid. So what is oid essentially? Oid is that bria that the Rebbeinu Shaloyla made that allows us to observe, to perceive of any reality, to perceive of a universe. Now. So Hashem is not on? Huh? Hashem is not on? Oh. Now. So when there is air existing, what would the world look like without air? Everything would be. <laughs> but I wouldn't know that it's here. I wouldn't perceive it. You come into a dark room. Everything is there. The people, the tables, the furniture, the food. Yeah? Aber mizetnisht. Mizetnisht. Chazal Institute in Neir Shabbos Kodesh so that people should see each other during the meal. If it's pitch dark, everything is here but I can't see it. At night, it's pitch dark with this taka no light. The whole world is here. 
but there's no perception of it. There's no revelation of it. There's no realization of it. So the function of Eir is, it allows me to see that which the Eir is emitted from. Huh? I feel like something what were you thinking? Something, see something that I can't see. Seeing what you can't see. Yeah. Not only that, the Eir allows me to see other things in the room. The sun emits rays, right? And it allows me to see not only the sun. It allows me to see that there's a sun. It allows me to see everything else. That's the Chedosh of Eir. It's the only Bria. Suddenly it tells me, by the way, I'm not only going to show you who I am and where I come from. I'm going to show you everything else also. That's the Chedosh of Eir. Now, now come to the next step. <laughs> next step is this. Let's talk now for a moment about Eirein Saif. When the sun emits light and anything else emits light, whether I have the detectors to see it or not, there are colors that animals could see, I can't see. Why? Push it. My eye doesn't register it. It can. My brain doesn't register it. It exists. So I don't know what it exists. That's why most of the universe we don't see. When somebody says, I only believe in what I see, seeing is believing, it's the most foolish scientific statement in the world. <laughs> what I don't see, I don't believe. Really? Coronavirus? Electrons, photons, bacteria, fungi, atoms, cells, <laughs> part subatomic particles, neutrons, electrons, yeah, nothing. <laughs> None of this can be seen. We have to create new detectors, new detectors to be able to perceive these realities. Bamed when you're talking about physical reality. When you're talking about atmos. What's Atmos? Atmos, the Hashem's essence, the only thing we say about it, the Rebbe Rashab writes in Tafir Samachvav, that you can't define it in any way, even by saying that you can't define it. You can't define it by saying it exists. Why? Because existence already is a certain picture. You can't say it doesn't exist. <laughs> so he says it's Shlilas Achiyov, Shlilas Hashlila, Shlilas Agvul. You can't say it's finite. You can't even say it's infinite. Why? Because words cease to be useful when it comes to the core and the essence of everything. Because even the word existence doesn't capture its truth. Because when we define existence, it's already creation. We define existence. Existence means definition. But the source of existence, source of definition, can't be defined even as existence. So you're going to say, oh, so he doesn't exist. <laughs> you're not going to say he doesn't exist. Right? This is where atheism and faith Converge, because the person who says, doesn't exist, right? He's basically saying it doesn't exist in a way that we define existence, which is true. To say it exists, to say it doesn't exist, both don't work. So you can't even say the word is. The word is is also created. Isness, I-S hyphen N-E-S, this is also creation. So let's stop. So that's why the Mechabalim say that I'm just leave Atzimus alone and... Let's just deal with our mess down here, right? Makes sense. Al Tarebbe said, but there's something called Eirein Saif. <laughs> and Eirein Saif changes everything. Because what is Eirein Saif? Eirein Saif means that Eir is Megala Meir. Eir reveals the source. One second. But how do you reveal that which by definition can't be revealed? I understand physical light, particles, waves. It's, it's an emission. 
of the electromagnetic uh, uh, field of the object. And, 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 and it teaches you about the object. Because the behavior of light, it's, it's literally, uh, uh, if you're in a boat and there's waves, right? And the waves are very slow and long, yeah? What type of boat ride are you going to have? Very geschmack, right? And what if the waves are fast and choppy and intense? You're going up and down, you're going up and down, yeah? So literally light works in the same way, called the wavelength of light. It's the speed of light, it's the color of light, it's all the properties of light that will tell you where it's coming from. Called low energy, high energy, red and blue, the different colors, right away, if you understand how it works, you know right away, just a different wavelength of light, that's it. And this wavelength, I can't even register. It's too intense. My eye is like, sorry, I don't know that you exist. It's a not because it doesn't exist, because it's too much for me. It doesn't exist. Sometimes it's too slow. And it then also doesn't exist. My light can't register it. So that works with Gashmias. But how does it work with Atmos? With Atmos. Came down to Rebbe and he said, the real Nekud of Eir is Bittl. The real Nekud of Eir is, what does Eir say? Eir never says, look at me. What does Eir say? When there's light in this room, what does it mean? Who is the earth telling me to look at? It's source. Or, or everything else. Or everything else. The definition of oir is not itself. The metzius of oir is that it has no metzius. The only thing in the world that way. Every other metzius is look at me. The only metzius that it's metzius is I'm here to tell you that I don't exist. You hear what it is? This is the Alter Rebbe's Vart. Ur doesn't say I'm not here. If Ur says I'm not here, there's no Ur. Ur says I'm here. I'm here to tell you that I don't exist. I'm here to tell you that I'm a reflection of a source. And therefore through me you'll see everything else. There's space for everything. Because Bittol... Is the source of Achdus. <laughs> Metzius is the source of fragmentation. Or it doesn't take up space. The, the substance of Oir is that it has no substance. That's its substance. That's why it doesn't occupy space in the room. On the contrary, it lets everything else occupy space and become visible. Both its own source and everything else. It points to the other. It points to other objects and it points to existence. And that's its definition. That's, that is its metzius. What would the world look like without Eirein Saif? So Atmos would be Atmos. It's the ultimate MS. I have no way of describing it. I can't. What does Eir achieve? Eir is that Hashem wanted that Atmos should Kivayachal be seen. What Pshat seen? If it's seen, it's not Atmos. Yeah. But because Eir in its source, in its ultimate source, is Bittal, the definition of Eir is, Bittal, what's Pshat Bittal? The Nekud of Eir is, my whole Inyan is, that I don't have an Inyan. <laughs> so because of that, Eir becomes the transmitter of everything. If Eir would say, I have an Inyan, I have an identity, then it would, it would transmit only that which can be transmitted in identity. But because Eir says, my identity is, my Indian is, that I have no Indian, 
And that's my union, and I'm fully comfortable with that. <laughs> I don't have an identity crisis. <laughs> it has no identity crisis. You know why? Because it doesn't make itself an identity to have an identity crisis. To have an identity crisis, you have to have expectations. Why do we have identity crises when we're 36 or 49 or whatever, whenever age? Why is it? Huh? Don't give away your age. Yeah. <laughs> Why do we have an identity crisis? Because I'm, I'm, I'm this age, I should have already, all right, I should have been a millionaire. I'm sorry, a billionaire. I should have been, uh, 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 look at me. <laughs> I stay garnished. You have an identity crisis, you go to therapy. Yeah. Or it doesn't have an identity crisis, you know why? Because <laughs> it never turned itself into an identity. The identity of Eir is that I don't have an Indian. My Indian is I'm a reflection of you. So therefore what happens in Eir? So Eir can transmit everything. So Eir becomes the most powerful thing. Because Eir doesn't block anything. Because Eir, the Nekud of Eir is the Bittel to the Meir. So Eir becomes just a reflection. So it's Substan- it's, it's lack of substance because it's, uh, what, how do you say it in English? It's substance, it's uh, Professor Lippitz, no? Give me the word. Huh? The opposite. <laughs> okay, because substance list, I want to say. The opposite, yeah? Because of its iron. What let's say it's ayin. It's ayin is its definition is that I have no definition. So therefore, in that definitionless definition, it can transmit everything. Why could it transmit everything? Because nothing gets stuck in earth because it's a lack of it's 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 a lack of metzias. It's lack of metzias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here is where the biggest revolution in, the uni- in, 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 in reality happens. That the reality of Atmos, which can't be defined as reality, because <laughs> reality is our imposed definitions, allowed there to be Eirein Saif. Eirein Saif, the Alter Rebbe, calls Eirein, in the Lekut HaTorah Vayikra, the first Shliach in the world. Shlichis. What is Shlichis? We say, What's the real concept of shluchas? What's shluchas? That your messenger represents you. So the definition of a shliach is, bittel. My identity is really a continuum, a reflection of you. And it's an odd paradox, because the shliach is a separate person. If he's not a separate person, you don't need him. Do it yourself. You need somebody else, because you can't do it for whatever reason. On the other hand, he becomes you. Where does shlichus begin? Shlichus begins in Eirin Saif. That's where Eirin Saif, it transports and transmits everything, including that which by definition can't be transmitted. Because the moment you reveal it, you already give it a term. Revealing means expression. I can relate to the Eir. Some type of expression, even the most abstract. So how can Eir be Megala that? Comes out to that Ben says, Eir me'en ha'moyer. That's the words. Eir me'en ha'moyer. Real Eir reflects Moyer. It even reflects that in the Moyer, which transcends that which can be communicated through light. How can light reflect that which can't be reflected? 
Because all light is already a form of experience, a form of revelation, which is a defiance of what Atmos is. The answer is, because since Ur says, I don't exist, so in its non-existence, it allows itself to transport that which it can't reflect. Huh? It doesn't block, yeah, it doesn't block. So what do you need it for? Because without Ur, there's no communication, there's no shliach, there's no PR. Ur is the beginning of kevayachel, the wrong word, but the beginning of, uh, of translating undefined reality into reality. Right. Completely, there's no, there's no, yeah, no connection, no connection. Just like without Ur, I can't connect to you. There's absolutely no connection. Ayin is the ability that Hashem put into every any object that you can be perceived, you can be seen, you can be experienced. People can relate to you. That's what Ayin is. Ayin is relationship. I can relate to you. I can see you. I can experience you. It's not just see you with my eyes. It's seeing you. In other words, you have an impact on me. This, huh? Oh, oh, oh. Now, Shefa is already. Once you hit this spot, what happens to Ayin? Here, to get from that Eirein Saif to reality, this is what's called the Chesidus Hishtalshalus. There's an evolution that is so intricate to get from that space, from that first Slichus, into the reality we live in. Oh, there's still Atzimtzum, and there's Shefa, and there's Caleb. It's very Lebedic, which is the, 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 the Nekudah of the mind, which is the Hemshech of the mind. But here was the void al Rebbe said, so Ein Saif is not Atmos. Ein Saif is the Ur. Atmos you don't call Ein Saif. <laughs> we said Atmos is Ein Leitchila. Ur is Yesh Leitchila. So Ein Saif is the Ur. Ein Saif is Ur. So Ur Ein Saif doesn't mean it's the Ur of the Ein Saif. It means the Ur is Ein Saif. But since it's Ur, so therefore the Ur, which is Ein Saif. Why is it Ein Saif? Because it reflects the Meyer. And the Meyer is Ein Saif. But here is, here is the word. Since, that's going to be the next chapter. Since Oy is Oy, it's Me'ein Hamoyer. So therefore, it transmits even the Ein Chila of Atmos. <laughs> because the Bittel of Oy, so Oy carries within itself Kevayachel, <laughs> the DNA of Atmos, I'm using a wrong term, which is Ein Chila. Even that comes out in Oy. So the Eir is called Ein Saif because the Eir is Ein Saif. Because the Eir reflects the Meir. The light of the sun is reflecting of the entity of the sun. You can't compare the light of a candle to the light of the sun, to the light of the moon, to the light of a light bulb. Yeah? To the light of an x-ray, to the light of a microwave. There's a light we don't see. To gamma rays, infrared light, whatever, I'm just using uh, these fancy terms. It's completely different light. It's completely different light. It's not the Meyer itself. Even though it's Oyer is not the Meyer. That's why you don't say on It's Oyer. It comes from the source. But because of its bittle to the source, so it's the only thing that its very identity is, I have no identity. So who am I? Wrong question. It's a foolish question. <laughs> Who am I? That's not a question. You got the wrong guy. I don't have an eye to ask who am I. I don't need to answer that. Again, you have to answer that if you have expectations of identity. You understand? Who am I? What's your resume? 
Or he says, you got the wrong, I don't have any resumes. <laughs> the Nekud of Eid is that its existence is that it has no existence. In other words, how much of something is the fact that it could be seen? <laughs> how much of something is the fact that it could be seen? It could be seen as L'chayda, there's nothing there. It's, it's just you, I'm, I'm just seeing you, right? I'm going to say, oh, the Bezriel walked into the room. So two things walked into the room, him and the fact that he could be seen. You're not going to say that, right? Why? I don't say you walked into the room and the fact that you could be seen walked into the room. But the truth is, it's two things. <laughs> you could have walked into the room and not be seen. Yasalagaylam, yeah, Raya You could walk into the room and not be seen. But we don't say that. Why? Why? Because in Hagrid, it's not two things. You walked into the room. What you walked in the room means that you're seeing. If you wouldn't have seen, you wouldn't have walked into the room. In other words, when we say you, what do we mean? When I say you, what do I really mean? Am I talking about you? I don't know you. What am I talking about? I'm talking about your eye, yeah, your eye. We see eye, we don't see you. There's no such a thing as seeing you. <laughs> There's no such a thing. All we have is eye. Eye is everything. But what is eye? Eye is nothing. That's why it's everything. <laughs> when I say you, I don't even say you're light. Why? Because that is light. Light means there's nothing but you. That's what light is. Light says my eye is you. I don't have anything else. So therefore we confuse it. We say you walked into the room even though you didn't walk into the room. Do I know if you walked into the room? As far as I know, you're in your car. That's where therapy comes in. Did you walk into the room? Did your light walk into the room? <laughs> Did your real self walk into the room? Your fake self walk into the room? Maybe I walked into the room. Because the, the Metzias of Eir is, it has no, that's the, that's the Rebbe said, Eir on all levels is Bittl. Even our physical Eir, it's still Bittl. Where does it come from? Eir in Seif. What's Eir in Seif? Eir in Seif is that Metzias, which has no Metzias. And Bemele, it can transport even that which has no Metzias, which is Atzmos, because Atzmos you can't define as Metzias. So in Eir you have the first bridge of Shlichus. Shluchay Shaladam Kemaisa. Something else? And yet completely one. <laughs> yet completely one. Why is that so important? Because if, if that's a real thing, if that's a real thing, there you have the secret of life. There you have the secret of oneness. There you have the secret of fusion. Because there it means in Ur, there could be the relationship with the ultimate truth without bringing that truth down and turning it into just some image of me, or without losing me. You understand? Unity usually comes at the expense. Either I lose you or I lose me. Either I become one with you or you become one with me, like the t-shirt. I'm easy to get along with when you learn to worship me. Right? So either I lose me or you lose you. One of the two, and we become one. But Eir says, because of its bittel, so the definition of Eir is that it's completely transparent, which is the definition of light. No blockage, complete transparency. So its definition is, it's just a reflection of its source. No agenda. And therefore it lets you see every, everything else. In other words, Eir unites everything in the room. If there was no Eir, you and me would be two separate people. Because there's Eir... We can have a conversation, we can talk to each other, we see each other, we experience each other. So you see what Eir is. Eir says, 
I don't say, okay, there's a, there's a video camera, there's a cup of coffee, there's a person, and there's light. We don't even mention that as an entity, even though it's the most serious entity here. The most serious entity in this room and everywhere is light. But its whole metzius is that it's not a serious entity. And that's why light can have so many paradoxes in physics. Because since Ur really captures that which is beyond Ur, so it's the only thing that's not defined by what it is. So therefore physicists don't know if it's a particle, if it's a wave, sometimes it's this, sometimes it's this. And they say it's both together. It's full of paradoxes. Because that's what Bittal is. Because there's no blockage. And the ultimate truth is full of paradoxes. Bittal is not paradox. Bittal allows you to transport paradoxes. <laughs> you understand? Because I don't have a particular color. I'm not stuck in anything. I'm not stuck in anything. That's not Shefa. Shefa is not that. You understand? You understand why Shefa is not that? Shefa is completely a different Indian. Shefa is all about Metzias. You know why Shefa is different? Shefa is, I give you a Metzias? Because I want to make your Metzias. And that's why you can't bring people to Ay right away. <laughs> Shefa is, I have to talk to you, huh? If I have to filter everything. You're not ready. I'm going to bring you face to face with the Meyer. You melt away. Or you call it abuse. You understand? If you don't understand what Eid is, you can call it Machabuse. That's why people who don't know what Bittal is. Yeah? There was somebody who used to come to my shiurim a few years ago. in, in Forshe. And I would mention, you know, my morning, you talk about Bittal, every Maimer. And I saw every time I said it, he got upset. He got angry at me. Even though I was, I was learning a mimer, I saw, I, could, I, I, I sense people's energy a little bit. They're oi. <laughs> and from oi, you know everything. You know that, right? People say, how do you know? Because you're oi. Everyone gives out oi. There's no such thing you don't give out oi. You come into a room, you give out oi. That's why your wife knows what you're thinking right when you come home. How does she know that you're in a bad mood? Huh? Don't all answer at once. <laughs> you think you're the only one? <laughs> How does she know? She has Ruach HaKadosh. She has Nevoah. I thought it's usually the opposite. You come Whatever. <laughs> How do you know? How does she know she has Ruach HaKadosh? No, everything has oil. Everything emits energy. That's how it is. Different levels of oil. There's physical light. There's spiritual light. It's called a halo. There's a halo. The halo Nuri Reishi. The Pasuk says. There's a halo of light on everybody. You know the Maisa with Al Terebbe? There was a, a Yid, they called him Shimon HaKaifer. Chassidim called him. He was a Malamed in Vilna. He was a pedagogue and he was a genius in linguistics. And he wanted to change the whole from world in Eastern Europe to the, bring them to the Haskalah, to the Enlightenment. And he fooled a lot of G'day Yisrael. He came into the Al Terebbe and he introduced himself as a Malamed of Jamut. Jamut is a city in Belarus, Lithuania. A Malamed in Jamut. And he tells the Al-Tarebbe, he tells him he's a Malamed, and he's very into Diktuk. Diktuk. <laughs> he's a teacher. He, he, was, he was basically camouflaging who he was. So the Al-Tarebbe, the Al-Tarebbe, you didn't have to tell him who you are, that he should know who you are. Once you know how oil works, you don't have to say anything. Forget all your words will just eclipse it. So the Al-Tarebbe says, you're a Malamed? He says, yes. Yeah. So let me ask you a Shaila. On the spot. 
In Parshish told us, it says that when Esau came into Yitzchak with the food, Yitzchak started to tremble. How do you explain it to the kids? So he says, I do the literal interpretation in Rashi, that he got scared because who brought the food? He says, why don't you teach the second interpretation in Rashi? It says that Yitzchak saw the Gehenim open up in front of him. With a- the Gehenim walked in with Esau. So he told al that because it doesn't really make sense. A Gehenim doesn't walk in with somebody. Gehenim is fire. So what, Esau walked in with fire? It doesn't make sense. Second, it's going to scare the kids. Gehenim, why should I scare them? Right? So because of this, I don't teach it. I go to, to the Pashtup shot. So the Alter Rebbe says, so I'll explain to you. And also, how did the Chazal know that Gehenna walked in? It was the third thing. How did they know that Gehenna walked in? How did they know? It doesn't say it. So the Alter Rebbe said, Taka, let's start. How did they know? So the answer is as follows. <laughs> the answer is, the Alter Rebbe tells it to him. Because Esau told Yitzchak, I'm your oldest son. But Esau really sold the birthright to Yaakov. So Esau was lying. Because he's not the Pchayr. He sold it legally. He says, when somebody walks in and lies, the Gehenim walks in with him. He picked up his candle. I had a candle burning. He picked up his candle. He says, when somebody comes from Vilna and he says he comes from Jamut. When somebody says that he's a teacher... To teach them, but really his whole tachlis is to take Jewish children away from Torah. The Gehenim walks in with him into the room. <laughs> he ran away. He ran away. Yeah. So every person has oir. <laughs> the question is Ganeid and Gehenim. Yeah. So I'm telling you, when I was giving a shear, so there was there was somebody I saw him getting angry and upset with me. Then I realized after a few months that what he hears is bittel is exploitation, abuse, uh, manipulation, lying, uh, um, uh, destroying people, all in the name of Bittl. And it's translated usually as self-nullification. And then I realized we have to go back to the basics. You understand? So that's where Chef is so important. Chef is so important. Because you to go straight to, oh, I don't exist? Oh, that's what my abuser told me. So the ultimate truth becomes the ultimate sheker when you don't have shefa. And all the distortions, so now, now, and now I'm going to say one line. If you get it, good. And if not, oich kut. Oich kut. Doesn't mean you're stupid. No. <laughs> I'm preparing right I'm scared. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're stupid. It means actually that you're honest. You hear the difference? Most people, they decided they're stupid because they were being honest with themselves. That's the tragedy. The people who think they're not stupid are the people who usually are not honest with themselves. The people who are honest with themselves as kids, they decided they're stupid because they didn't understand and they're not going to fake it. And that's the tragedy that I have perceived in my uh, career. So really, you have to look at yourself as an honest person instead of a stupid person. Okay. I just said something very, very intelligent, by the way. Since you didn't compliment me, I'm complimenting myself. Because I'm not on the level of oir. Thank you. Thank you. So, so, 
what, what? Now I lost myself. Oh. One of the main Nekudus and Chidush, one of the main Nekudus of Chesidus Chabad is that this Eirein Soiv that we were trying to describe today is essentially the ultimate description of everything in the universe. The question is only how it's articulated. In other words, from the Alter Rebbe's perspective, all of reality, including your tiniest emotion about yourself or your child, the most nitty-gritty emotion you're dealing with or sensation, or even Machshavazor, ultimately, it's an articulation of Atmos. It's Eirin Seif. Now, this is big, because to get from Eirin Seif to our world, I told you there's a Ishtalshalos, I don't mean a physical Ishtalshalos. Yeah, we're dealing with a world in which there's evil, and there's bloodshed, and there's violence, and there's egocentricity, and there's tragedy, and there's bloodshed, and there's machloikas, and there's, there's endless pain, there's so much pain and suffering. I got it. That's why we, the Mimer goes through, after this, he goes through the Ishtalshalos. But the ultimate Nekud is, really, when we work it through, what's Geula? To be Megala, that all of reality, to the, in the lowest level, is an articulation of Atmos. In other words, it's Eir Seif. Without Eir, we wouldn't never be able to get there. Because without Eir, Atmos, <laughs> do I have emotions or I don't have emotions? If you want me not to have emotions, that's fine. I can go to Atmos, but then I can't exist. You want me to exist with emotions, then there's identity, then there's ego, then there's insecurity, then there's self-consciousness. How in the world does that fit with Atmos? Eir, save the day. Is, that's why I said last year it was revolutionary, because that moment articulated the methodology that Atmos and you can have fusion. That's the ultimate tikkun. It's the ultimate, without amputating anything. All of Chesidus tries to explain this. <laughs> because it's not, it's not just saying a statement, it's experiencing it. How do you experiencing it? You have to understand it. Because if you don't understand it, if it's just the Muna, the Altarebbe knew what he was saying, that's not the Vart. That's not unity. Unity means you have to understand. Understand doesn't mean you limit it to your brain. Understand means it permeates you based on your capacity. But if Ayn is real, then there's no reality that's outside of that picture. So even Shefa is Eirein Seif. <laughs> Even Shefa is Eirein Seif. Shefa is the way Eir is articulated in a particular context. But it can bring you back to Eirein Seif, which is a reflection of Atmos. And that's where the real Pnimius is. So even Shefa, which is all about Simtsum, and it has to be about Simtsum. It's only about Simtsum if you don't understand that it's really not about Simtsum. That it's really about the Ein Soif coming out in a way that it could right here in order to transform it. The Hesvas of Zaga, not really. You, good, that's fine. I told you. Not understanding this is not a Chisar. <laughs> huh? You could be in two places at the same time. Only Mitzah the Bittel of Eir. <laughs> You could be in two places at the same time. You could be completely in Shefa, and you could be completely in Eir. 
So when I come home, I'm going to tell my wife, I was home. <laughs> it's the ultimate secret of marriage. All of marriage is... Wherever you are. So I got the let's there. <laughs> come more often. You'll, you'll lighten up my shirim. <laughs> I wanted to learn the next paragraph, but okay, it's very late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in, in the morning davening, there's a part where we say, in your light, we see light. Yeah. I just want to know, is that related to what we're talking about? Of course. About? Of course. It's everything that we're talking about. What's that exactly mean? You mean when you put on the talus? Yeah. Right? With you is the source of life. In other words, you're the source of life. In your light... We will see light. So there's many maimarim on this pasuk, and the nekuda is that ki imcha doesn't say you're the source of life. With you is the source of life. That's er. Ba'archa in your light we see light. It's your light that allows us to see light. That's what light is, and it's actually three levels. There's imcha, there's ba'archa, there's nira, there's er. It's four states. There's Kiimcha. Not you. With you is the source of life. Ba'urcha in your light. Nira, we will see our light. That's actually the, the evolution of light. But even light that we have here in this room, even the light from this beautiful sun here shining in Pomona and the rest of the world, because the sun doesn't differentiate. Doesn't say, okay, now it's Pomona. That's the, that's the Chiddush of Ur, right? <laughs> the Ur is just a reflection of the Moyer. The Moyer is not getting entangled by Ur. That's what you have to understand. The Moyer doesn't get entangled by Ur. The Mashpia gets entangled by Shefa. If I'm giving a class and everybody is texting, I get into a bad mood. Why? The sun, yeah, when I close the Venetian blind, the sun doesn't get into a bad mood, Right? When you put on your sunglasses in the car and you cover the windshield and you say it's too much, the sun doesn't say a chutzpah. Why not? Huh? <laughs> no, because he's not entangled with your insecurities. <laughs> huh? It's not Shefa. In Shefa, the mashpia, the mashpia is, is entangled. He has to be entangled. If you're not listening to me, it means what I'm doing is worthless. You understand? I wonder why my mashpia got mad at me a few times. Yeah. He's still getting mad at you. Huh? <laughs> yeah. The mashpia is consumed. If nobody's listening to him, it's painful. <laughs> it's a very painful thing. That's why many mashpiyim become mars, because they don't want disappointment. <laughs> you understand? Huh? So the whole concept of shepherd is also bittle. Yeah. A different type of bittle. A different type of bittle. In Mashpia, it's bittle to the Mushpa. In Ayr, it's bittle to the Moyer. And that's why people confuse. Like, so my, my question actually is, if the Alta Rebbe is saying that more is the original Shlia, how does Shefa fit into that idea of Good question. So, so let's understand this. The Mashpia, no problem. The Mashpia gets consumed by the experience. He has to. If there's no Makabal... 
It's a failure. Why? Why is it a failure? You have beautiful information. I don't have beautiful information. I have beautiful information for you. A melech b'loyam. I don't have beautiful information. That's what I'm learning for myself. I have been made for you. There's no you. It's all, it's all, I feel it was futile. Not just a way, it's not talking about ego. We're not talking here about ego. We're not talking about ego. We're talking here about the emes. A person shows up and there's nobody there. It's very painful, right? Huh? It's not as painful as when the macabre shows up and there's nobody there. That's the difference between a husband and a wife. When, when the husband shows up and there's nobody there, it's very painful. <laughs> when the wife shows up and there's nobody there, it's much more painful. The reason is, because if the mash- nobody shows up for the mashpia, what happens? He takes it back. <laughs> the makabal emptied herself out of everything to show up for you. And now you don't, you're not there, it's a death sentence. I suspended myself for you, and you're not there. That's an important thing to understand. <laughs> Okay, so, 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 so the mashpia, the mashpia sometimes disengages and he says, let me just be like the light of the sun. Light of the sun is not going to get insulted. You know why? You want to close the Venetian blind? That's fine. He's not entangled. He's not entangled in the earth. You know why? Because earth is just an organic, natural reflection. That's the Kiddush of earth. It reflects everything. Yeah. <laughs> Rabbi El Kani, one talk about Eid, he would give us a marshal in the Bachim. He would say, you look in the mirror. You look in the mirror. What can you, anybody see in the mirror? Everything. But also, nothing. <laughs> the mirror is everything. Everything you see in the mirror. But the moment you walk away, there's nothing left in the mirror. Why? <laughs> what happened? The answer is, because there was nothing. It's just a reflection of you. It's not, no, there's no... You didn't create something in the mirror. You didn't. You weren't mashpia to the mirror, <laughs> and now you get insulted that the mirror doesn't reflect you. You're not being. It's just who you are. You understand? When a mashpia is in that place, I'm just who I am. I'm just who I am. You, you may close. You may close the curtain. You may shut the curtain, and you don't have access to it. Okay, so you don't have access to it. It's almost your loss. It's not his loss. It's just this. It's it's this is who I am. Yeah. Now you're asking a good question. When I was a buck, I was once in Houston. This is 1991. And uh, there's a shliach in you. His name is Rabbi Moshe Traxler. So I asked him, how did you become a Balchuva? He's a Balchuva for many years. So he told me, <laughs> so he told me that he was davening. I think it was in California. And, and not he was davening. He was a secular kid. And I think he said his mother or grandmother sent him to say Kaddish after his grandfather. So he went to the one Orthodox school, I think in San Francisco area. In San Francisco, maybe New Mexico, I don't know, somewhere over there in that region. And he said he walks in, there happened to be an older chassid who came there. <laughs> he still doesn't know why he was there. Avram Mayar, Avram Mayar, Avram Jerizim. And he would daven for hours, every day. And he was there in Shul, he had a beautiful long beard, and he was davening for hours. He would sing and he would snap his finger, he would daven every day for hours. And the Moshe said, I watched them davening, and I became a Balchuvah. <laughs> That's Oy, not Shefa. <laughs> I don't know if Avram Mayor even knows that he made him a Balchuvah. You have a Shliach who comes to town, he gives Shiurim, invites you to the Shabbos table, Fabrains with you. That's Shefa. Here, he doesn't even know. He's signing his life. He wasn't trying to work through the person. Person saw Oy, there was a bitl there. Now, 
when you understand that ultimately Shefa is bringing the earth to a place where it wouldn't be able to come without Shefa, so then Shefa is not a steerer to earth. If you get caught up in Shefa, you become entangled in the experience. In other words, the mashpia is not Ur. He's just a mashpia. He gets entangled. Then Hitaka gets entangled. And then there could be a little bit of an interruption. But if the mashpia knows that ultimately every level of Ishtalsimus is just a hechitimtza in how to articulate Ur in that context, so then there could be the unity. But you can only understand the unity if you first understand the difference. <laughs> if you don't understand the difference, then it's just, you know, mumbo-jumbo. Yeah, yeah. And understand the value of Shefa versus Ur. The value of Shefa versus Ur is, I need the audience. I need the audience. Because it's about the audience. And it's the bittel of the mashpia to the, to the mushpa. That's Shefa. In Ur, it's the bittel of the mashpia of the, of the Ur to the mar to the source. When the mashpia taka has that bittel, <laughs> right? Then he could be a real mashpia that brings the mushpa to Ur. That's why the mashpia always has to go back once in a while to a place of Ur. <laughs> you understand? If the mashpia is always a mashpia, if he never goes back to a place of Ur, ultimately the mushpa will be severed from the, from the source because he becomes severed. Okay. We'll take a break. And Be'ezer Hashem, the next year will be Thursday evening, 9 o'clock p.m., in the home of David Gehrman. The address is? Four Dogwood Place in Pomona. Thank you very much, Rabbi Zalmi Levitov again. Rabbi Zaltzman, and thank you everybody for coming. Have a beautiful and luminescent and bright week. that Amak felt that you can't call anything besides Aksumus Nisayim. Nothing. I, should have been called. Or could have Right. So he should have given a real name. Which is English? the Ramah's question. And that's how he answered the question of the Rambam. Why the Rambam doesn't include Nitzchias as one of the Ikre Amuna. So it's a machvav, it's mashma, but he says that Ain't Saif could mean two things. Ain't Saif could mean you're actually Ain't Saif. No, you're endless, you're eternal. Or Ain't Saif means. You're essentially. Alibi, alibi, I should be. Did you go to the same thing as, uh, as a convert? In other words, that the Amat would say that ain't safe means ain't like two. Ain't safe means ain't safe beets. You're ain't safe beets. In other words, you're ain't safe because you're ain't like two.
But I understand that. Because we're the whole, so then they're saying the same thing, so then there's no argument. But, then, but they were arguing. Yeah, because it's not about semantics. It's not about semantics. Yeah, I'm going to keep, I want to hear the first... Um, yeah, you taking this? Yeah, can I miss the first one? No, no, no problem. Yeah. Tchila, beginning. I guess I should have translated. means he has no beginning. We say it in Yigdal. You say Yigdal. Those who say the Piyut, Yigdal. Huh? What's the Russian word? No, no. Ain't like Ain't like No, but Ain't like Tishla. Ain't like Tishla. Oh, I You say Yigdal. I don't remember it. I doubt it in a place where I was. No beginning, no end. Okay. I was young, which said. So it has to be that they're saying it's a bit that they're saying it's a bit that they're saying it's a bit that they're saying and that's what we may answer because yesterday I get it. And I understand it. Yeah. And that explains on the other side of the Nisi. But also, it sounds like Yes and no. Yes and no, yeah. The Arizal is reconciling the Ramak and the, the Ramah, and the Altareb explains the Arizal, really, that that's Oyer. Because the the Mailan, the Ramah, is Ani Hashem Nisi. Shem is completely transcendent. Creation makes no change. Right. Can't do that in Atmos because it's all from Rotson and this. The challenge, <laughs> the challenge in that is that uh, it means that uh, <laughs> there's this, you know, Ufiyerich, there's this, this, I don't want to disconnect this. Right. Again, we're talking from our understanding, from our experience. And, and and if you're attributing if you're attributing creation to that, there's big arichas over there. Creation ultimately comes from Hashem Himself. So that's the challenge. Creation comes from Hashem Himself. As we're going to see in the next piece from Megaris Hakodesh, we didn't get to it yet. It's going to be a whole other piece. Here. I understand. I was just focusing on because you said it was a whole argument. I... Yeah, and then the other element is also creation comes from Hashem Himself. So you have to say so that's right, a kadmon kikadmus. You, you said basically what you were saying is Rama was that Atzmos you can't basically you can't connect. Rama, Rama, Rama. Can't connect to. Yeah. And the Ramak. Ramak is Basically, he wanted to associate that you could connect to Hashem, so that's why he was able to. Oh. So, the challenge there is. But then the problem is that there could be a cognizant in Saif. But if there's an argument, then they couldn't really oh. agree. So, so the, like, challenge, the challenge there I is. I understand the position I'm asking, but what about the challenge? Right. Unless, like you say, you take the position that ultimately there really wasn't a challenge. There wasn't a. Ultimately, everything really comes together, Avada. That there was no argument. But, yeah. but it we wasn't say the Klal, Elo Devra Tanya the Rambam. Really, there's like from a certain perspective. There's an argument. Yeah, you have to go into another but world. You're saying the same thing. Why would you use another? Yeah, if the, then if the mom is saying the same thing, so what are you arguing? There's an argument from certain perspectives. This one emphasizes this nekuda, this nekuda, but ultimately there's a place where it converges. 
because like the Ramak, Ani Hashem Shanisi becomes a challenge. Right. Because Atmos is the source of everything. It's a perspective. Yeah. Where really no so I, I, I tries to bring it all together, and that explains it. You say actually, Nivra Oylem Hayahu Shmai Bolva. Before Bria Oylem, there was him and Shmai. What is the Shmai that was there before? What is it? Yeah. So I did a memory panud. Rots and shame. Yeah. So that was there. Mamish heavy. That's Mamish. It's a Kadman. Al Tarebbe says it's Oyd. Because <laughs> Oyd is no Metzias, it's just the money. Yeah. It also explains why it's called Yesh Mayayin. We'll see why the world is called Yesh Mayayin. It's from nothing. You talked about that. It's nothing. Atmos is nothing. That was the Shem. Al says it's talking about Oyd. <laughs> explains Ani Hashem because the Bri is through Oyd. Explains Achtos Hashem, because again, Oyd. A lot of Inyan and Oyd. Oyd is actually a way that we can understand it. It's a perfect marshal. Perfect marshal. And I don't think it was more perfect than it is in our generation, where we talk to understand the complexity of other, where it's it's a frictionless conflict. We know exactly what it is. It's exactly that. It's exactly nothing. And everything. We didn't know this better. Like you were saying, out there was Mikhadish that. Before we before we understood it. You're right when you say that to translate it as reflection is very inaccurate. Ayr yeah. allows there to be a reflection. Yeah, yeah. Oid is not a reflection of the source. Oid is the way the source is being transmitted, being transported into a new world, into a new reality. That's what it is. Oid is the mechanism that defines the essence emerging, the essence being transmitted, the essence being transported, so to speak, in a reality that would have been devoid of the essence without Oid. In our nimshal, Atmos is beyond description, beyond definition, beyond reality. Yeah. Oyr is what allows Atmos. It's a particle and a wave. It allows it to travel in any capacity. It's traveling with zero uh, friction. With zero friction, zero, zero friction. resistance. Zero resistance, zero friction. It's exactly the source, not exactly the source. It's a way for the source to travel with zero, zero. With the, what we can understand is zero friction, zero resistance. Because it's bitle. Yeah. And shafa is electricity. If you could give an example, it travels through the medium of wires, cables, whatever, and there's a slight, slight, slight subtle friction and resistance. It loses. It loses the source, little by little. You're saying that electricity is diminished. It's not, yeah, exactly. In the, the transmission, it's diminished. In the transmission, exactly. In the transmission, no matter how you transmit it, the thinnest and slightest and smallest particle uh, messenger, it's losing something. Light is the only thing, the only thing that has zero friction. It doesn't lose anything in its, like you were saying, like one light to the other light. There's zero loss, zero loss from what we understand. And and not only that, I'll say this, the fact that the Alter ever compares the Abish to Ur, or in some capacity we have this, this idea, how much more so I'll say that science doesn't understand it yet enough, that it's talking frictionless. In other words, they can, they're looking, where, what, what is it? It's talking nothing. I'll say the Torah teaches us that it's taken nothing. It's nothing in between. Like the Rebbe says, and the Chassidus explains, that as soon as the, the this was a, a scientific uh, debate also, if the, if, the, if the source of light stops, does light continue? So Torah says, where Chassidus says, no. Source of light stops, then the earth itself ceases to exist, right? Science says, no, we see stars that don't exist. Stars anymore. are gone, yeah. Stars are gone, we see them. I'll say, I'll be tired of that, can't be. They don't understand light yet enough. 
That's what I'll say, you understand? I asked that question to Dr. Imbo. Yeah. I don't know who that is, but... What did Dr. Imbo say? He said, um... He said, if the light does... could be separated from the source and still exists, but only as long as it was set by the source to exist. Oh, that's a good answer, you know what? I, I can relate, I understand that. Energy or... Energy that was put into it. Okay, I, I, could, I, could, I could try to swallow such a thing, I can, I can try to... In other words, the oil is a continuum yeah. of the Meyer, so... It's still a continuum of the Meyer. So then. even if the Meyer is gone, the aspect of the Meyer that's captured by the oil... Like an arrow that you throw, the, the arm is no longer throwing, but it'll continue to go as much energy was put into it. Right. That, you know what? I can relate, fine. But again, the idea is, is that light itself... So you're saying like this, that electricity that travels through cables, that's like Shefa. I'm trying to. There's friction, there's resistance. Yeah, even the size, even the bigger wires are bigger, the smaller wires are smaller. Even, even the smallest wire, the certainly wire, the biggest wire. Certainly the bigger wires. But there's even and the therefore, and it gets diminished in the process. Yeah, it affects it. It affects it, diminishes it. Whether it's diminished or not, it affects it. It has an effect on it. The Kaylee affects the, the, the chef. The, the electricity, yeah. It's the same thing, by the way. What uh, Electricity and R is the same, but it's being affected by a wire. It's electricity is traveling through a wire, and it's chef. Right. It went through oh, itself. This right here. This. There's no air. You don't. See, there's nothing. It only see my hand. You don't see the air. It's right here anyway. It's here in a state of nothingness right now. Shane, can you say in the air? There's no resistance. There's no friction. Yeah. Uh, what do you say? I see I, only your hand. What do you say? I see only. Your hand. Yeah. You don't see. There's no air. There's nothing to be seen here. There's it's no a, substance. There's, there's no, no substance. substance. It's, a, it's a frictionless transmitter. Air. We're calling air, but it's not. R is what we're calling this R, it's not R. R is the frictionless transmitter that you don't know, which is exactly the example of Davister. You know it and you don't know it. It's exactly the same. It's a perfect example. We call it R, but it's nothing. And yet, we call it R, it's everything. But right. it's really nothing. It's both. It's everything. It's both a, 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 Beautiful. a, a, a wave and a particle. It's, it's everything and nothing. At the same also time. the speed the of light. Thing. By the way, the speed of light is sugar, right? 186,000 yeah. miles per second. As measured today, yeah. As we measure it. Today, could be they'll measure more later, but no. So that also shows that within the limited world, air is like the closest we get to infinity. It's the closest you get to some level. The speed of light beyond the 186,000 miles per second. Right. What we, what we call a second is because Because, because the bitle of air gives it a speed. Right. Frictionless bitle, frictionless zero capacity on its own to take right. up space and yet completely right. the ma'ar. Right. And and so, it really it reveals to us the universe. It's it, unbelievable. It, it teaches us the universe. Yeah. It brings to us the universe. Yeah. The universe would exist anyway. Right. So what know. is that in the source? Ur brings to us brings to us the essence, yeah. the emas. Because the ur is ain't safe. Yeah. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. And this is attacking the Kudush al because I'm only understanding I'm getting it, but that's the beautiful, beautiful Chiddush, the Mechadish that, you know, I also understand I also understand Avram Avinu's uh, idea that there's a God, but I don't get credit for that, you know, Avram Avinu does. Truth is also very much connected, we'll see later, to the Tzimtzum, because the Alter Rebbe writes in Torah Ervayera that the Tzimtzum that Rizal spoke, speaks about is not an Atzmos. There can't be a Tzimtzum and Atzmos. But he says there was a Tzimtzum, he says it's an Ur. Symptom, uh-huh. meaning in our perception, in our experience, 
in the air, what in other words, what Hashem is allowing, yeah. Ayrin Saif originally pre-Tzimtzum is complete conduit, complete transmitter, without friction. Tzimtzum is the is the the air where it itself goes through that journey where it could become Shefa. Unbelievable. Yeah. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.